Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It is our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now here's today's message with Pastor Michael. Acts chapter 12 in your Bible. We're going to tackle the whole chapter today. So please be praying for Pastor Michael. Acts chapter 12. Our powerful deliverer, Acts chapter 12. Now we left off last time with the uh, revival or great awakening in Antioch and they were first called Christians there in Antioch and we ended with uh, these verses after Barnabas goes down and tells them in verse 23 to remain true to the Lord with a resolute heart. No matter what comes at you, he's saying just stay true, grow in your faith Acts eleven twenty nine and 30 says, and in the proportion, because there were uh, prophecies about famine and the church in Judea was hurting, in proportion, Acts eleven twenty nine that any of the disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren living in Judea. And this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders, and that would be the elders there in Jerusalem. So now, you could see that this was a big part of the early church, that they wanted to express the love of God through tangible means as well. And it fits really well with what Tori just talked to us about. And yesterday, there were a group of people spearheaded by the Bowens who did a uh, big yard sale out here to benefit another child who's had a tough diagnosis and going through some difficult things. And then we also did an outreach in the park where we fed a bunch of homeless people and preached the gospel to them the day before Thanksgiving. So it's been really a rich time to think about how we can make an impact, not only by what we preach, but by how we live and what we invest in. And so this is how Acts 11 ended with Barnabas and Saul going and uh, taking on that mission and entrusted with a contribution of many people to express not only the gospel, but the, uh, the unity of Jew and Gentile coming together. And so now we, we see in Acts chapter 12, verse 1, now about that time. Remember that when you're reading your Bible, chapters and verses were added centuries after the Bible was written. So when you're just reading and you continue the thought, now about that time is the time when they were going to go down and take this contribution. And this great uh, awakening happened in Antioch and all this, this uh, exciting stuff was going on. So let's pray one more time. Father, now as we go into your word and we talk about our powerful deliverer, this is a chapter full of great ups and downs, great emotion, uh, a blow to the early church as they lose one of their a beloved apostles at the hands of Herod, um, brings up a lot of questions about your sovereignty and about just life and what happens in life. And so please help us to see your sovereignty, to see your hand, to see that you are running the universe even when we don't understand what's going on, Father. Uh, Help us, Lord, increase our faith. Help us to know that when we pray, heaven is enlisted Jacob's ladder is there and angels are ascending and descending and you are moving on behalf of your people. Let us not lose heart. Let us not give up praying. Uh, Let us continue to fight the good fight and remain true with that resolute heart because you are a delivering God. We glorify your holy name and pray that you would be glorified today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now about that time, Herod the king 
laid hands on some. This is Acts 12, verse 1. Notice it's going to be more than just James the Apostle. It says, some who belong to the church. So they were believers. In order to, here's Herod's plan. He wanted to mistreat them. The Greek word literally means he laid hands on some to injure them. And so with all this cool stuff going on and exciting stuff going on, Herod now lays hands on some of the church. I've been telling you about the story of Pastor Saeed, who lives in Idaho. He went to Iran, and uh, he was working with some orphanages in Iran, and he was arrested, and they kind of changed the charges several times, but he, was, he ended up in Evan Prison, one of the worst prisons in Iran, and he was there, and he's been languishing in the prison for about a year, not getting medical treatment that he needed. I heard his wife, Nagme, interviewed by Jay Seculo this morning on the radio as I was waking up up for today. Nagme was saying, I hear my son Jacob praying that dad will be home for Christmas. I hear my kids saying, you know, when will daddy be home? When's this situation going to change? And she said, honestly, Jay, uh, sometimes it's all I can do to breathe. She said, just getting up every day and trying to encourage my kids and just take the next breath is about all I can do some days overwhelmed with a situation where now he's been moved from Evan prison to a worse prison where they say people disappear or people die. The worst of the worst, as bad as it can get, that is where Pastor Saeed is now. Wife and family praying for him. Uh, We had a prayer service for him some weeks ago, crying out to God, and yet he has not been delivered. And that's part of what this chapter is about. It's about the sovereignty of God. It's, tr- it's about trying to make sense that when we pray, if heaven is enlisted, then why, pray tell, is Saeed still in prison? I mean, these are real questions that we face as individuals. And this chapter is going to deal with several layers of that. But the first thing that I want you to see is that Herod, this wicked king, and he's one of many Herods that we see in the Bible, the grandson of Herod the Great, and he was a, a man that came from a murderous family. His grandpa, Herod the Great, was known as a short little man that built great big things. As a matter of fact, if you uh, go and you tour Israel, you'll see some of the ruins of his great structures. And so he was a uh, very nervous leader. And when Jesus was born and the wise men came, he said, make a careful search for the child that I may worship him too but that wasn't his intention and he was the one who killed all the babies two years and under in Bethlehem because he was wicked and because he was a fearful leader as a matter of fact we know from history that he killed his favorite wife because he was just freaked out and two of his sons one of the sons that he killed was the father of this Herod this is Herod Agrippa the first in our text and his dad was murdered get this by his grandpa. And so he had this childhood where grandpa whisked him away to Rome to be educated and he went to Rome and he got educated and he became chum, chummy with the imperial family. He grew up with Caligula, the emperor and others like this. But he was always getting himself in trouble. He ran up a bunch of gambling debts. He was a bit of a playboy. And finally, when his creditors were after him, this is Agrippa I, he fled to Palestine, to the area of Israel and went, tried to go into hiding. He made some snide remarks about the emperor Tiberius and Tiberius threw him in prison. 
and said, we've had enough of you. And he was in prison, shackled, and, you know, just hit rock bottom. But then something happened, and this is all historical. One of his childhood buddies named Caligula came to power. Caligula heard that Herod was in prison, and so he got him out. And instead of this big chain that he was wearing in prison, Caligula bought him a a gold chain that weighed as much as his actual prison chains. And out he went, and Caligula gave him a couple of areas of responsibility there in the land of Israel. One of his other childhood friends was named Claudius. And Claudius soon succeeded Caligula, and he made Herod the ruler of Judea and Samaria. Murder and intrigue had become the currency of his entire life. This is the ruler that we have now in our Bibles. And there's another Agrippa that we'll meet later that Paul will appear before. But this family was just a messed up family. But they did have power and they had a certain amount of authority and they threw their weight around. And um, this is the uh, happening in the Bible. So look at verse 2. And he, that is Herod Agrippa I, had James, the brother of John. These are the two sons of thunder, so named by Jesus. Uh, apostles, two of the twelve apostles, brothers. They, uh, he had James, the brother of John the Beloved, put to death with a sword. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being part of the early church and realizing that one of the apostles has been killed by this madman, Herod. Death by the sword, according to the New English Bible, is being beheaded. And according to the Mishnah, the Jewish, one of the Jewish writings, the sword was used for murderers and apostates. James, the brother of John the Beloved, is dead. Now you could imagine the church was reeling. It was Peter, James, and John that were part of the inner circle of the 12 apostles. They were brought by Jesus into some very special occasions. Peter had to be reeling. John the apostle had to be reeling. And I'm sure question marks were floating up into heaven. Lord, what is going on? What are you doing? I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 20 for a moment. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. So the first book of the New Testament. I want you to see something that happened In the Gospel of Matthew, as James and John, along with their mom, approached Jesus. This is Matthew 20, verse 20. It says, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, now that was the dad of James and John, Matthew 20, 20, came to Jesus with her son. So there's mom and sons bowing down and making a request of him. Matthew 20, verse 21. And he said to her, What do you wish? And she said to him, Command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and one on your left. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? And they said to him, the brother said, We are able. And he said to them, My cup you shall drink. But to sit on my right hand and on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. Now, turn back to the book of Acts. What was the cup that Jesus was talking about? In the Garden of Gethsemane, he cried out three times to the Father, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Many scholars believe the cup is a reference to suffering, but it is also the cup of God's wrath. But in this case, the cup speaks of suffering and even death. And Jesus said to James and John, you will drink my cup. 
Now, James drank the cup by being beheaded. John, you know, John was the last surviving apostle. And one of the stories from history is that they tried to boil him in a pot of hot oil and he didn't die. Can you imagine that? You will drink my cup, but you don't quite understand what you're asking for. And Peter said something very similar. You know, Lord, I'll... Though I'll forsake you, I'll die for you, I'll follow you to the end. And Jesus said, will you, Peter? And in John 21, Jesus gave a prophecy about Peter. And he said that Peter would grow old, and when he was old, he would stretch out his hands, and he would be led to a place that he didn't want to go. And the Bible says in John 21, 18 and 19, this he spoke of the death with which Peter would glorify the Lord. He spoke of Peter's crucifixion. But Peter knew something. Peter knew he was going to be an old man before he died. And then he would stretch out his hands. And we have stories from antiquity, from the church fathers, that Peter was crucified upside down in the 60s uh, AD at the hands of Nero. And so incredible. This is, but this is, I want you to see something. This is the sovereignty of God. God knows what's ahead, and he's telling these guys, you know what, it's not going to be easy. 11 of the 12 apostles die a martyr's death. And James is the first of them, beheaded by this wicked ruler. And so here's what happens now. And when he, Herod, saw, Acts 12, verse 3, it pleased the Jews. Uh, you, You can always know where somebody's heart is by what pleases them. The Jewish leadership was pleased that James was put to death. How sad. How utterly sad. A Christian leader dies and the Jewish leadership is applauding his death. Great. As a matter of fact, there's some commentators that believe that maybe the Jewish leadership was behind this and was spurring on Herod, the the Sanhedrin, to kill uh, early leaders of the church. And so the Jewish leaders, they were pleased. Oh good, one of those apostles is dead. And so he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread or the days of Passover. The two feasts basically became known as one. So he thought, hey, if it pleased the Jewish leadership to arrest and kill James, how much better Peter? Peter was the one earlier in the book of Acts who put the Sanhedrin in their place. And they said, stop preaching. And he said, hey, we're going to listen to God instead of you. And they threw Peter in prison. And Peter was broken out of prison by the jail, an angelic jailbreak. And the Sanhedrin had to be saying, rats and double rats. We can't stop these people. Right? Peter had to be on the top 10 hit list. As a matter of fact, he was probably number one. We'll, we'll get that big fisherman sooner or later. And Herod became their tool. And so Herod grabbed Peter. And he thought, oh, this is great. If I kill Peter too, the Jewish leadership will love me. And the Jewish leadership didn't like Herod. You know why? Because Herod came from a wicked family. And he was a wicked ruler. And he was connected with Rome and educated in Rome. And he was an Edomite. He was from the area of Edom. He wasn't a pure Jew. And so they had problems with him. And Herod, all he cared about was the politics anyway. He didn't care who he had to kill to ingratiate himself. And so when he had seized him, verse 4... He put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers. That's 16 soldiers. This is maximum security to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. To bring him out before the people means to bring him out for execution. But he wanted to wait till the Passover was over. And isn't it interesting that this is the season of what? 
Passover. And Passover was a holiday that the Jews celebrated to remind them of what? God's powerful deliverance out of Egyptian bondage. And how did God deliver them? The 10th plague was the death of the firstborn. And if you had the blood of the lamb on your doorpost and lentil, you were spared the judgment of God. How were they delivered? By God's mighty hand and by the blood of the lamb. This is the season. And if you're part of the church, you have to be thinking, you know, during Passover week, things have not gone well. Jesus died on the Passover. Uh, this, this could bring up some re- really frightening uh, memories. There's a story about a local pastor just a few months ago. I think he's over here in one of the small cities in L.A. He went to Iran. He was with a group doing some sort of sightseeing tour. He broke away from the group and stood in front of Evan Prison, quoting Exodus 8.1. He stood in front of the prison. He videotaped himself and he said, Let my people go! And he started naming the names of people who are in the prison in Iran. This was a few months ago by a local retired pastor. You want to talk about some boldness? He stood in front of that Evan prison and said, let my people go. And he started naming Pastor Saeed, this person and that person. And he kept doing it over and over. And the people in the prison didn't know what to do with the guy. So finally, they went out to him, brought him into the prison. Now, can you imagine being this pastor or being the people who are praying for him? And they interrogated him and they thought maybe he was a spy and they're trying to figure out who he was. And he was released, I think, about 24 hours later after all this interrogation. Wow, that guy, just down the street from us, that, that's what somebody did. And they moved then, they've moved Saeed to another prison now, a worse prison. And here's Peter. Peter's in prison. It's the Passover season. The church had been on a roller coaster of highs, but now a low. James is dead. Peter's in prison. And Herod's just watching the clock until Passover's over, and he'll kill Peter now. Can you imagine being part of that church? So Peter was kept in the prison, verse 5, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. That's what prayer is, by the way. Prayer is made by the church to God. It is beseeching God. Peter's in prison. But what could a little old prayer meeting do against the legions of Rome? I mean, certainly a, a, a secular world leader watching the, the church meet for prayer. How ridiculous. This dude's he's guarded by four squads of soldiers. There's three gates you've got to get past. He's chained to them. What do you think your little prayer meeting's going to do, Christian? You going to pray about it? See, that's how the world feels. You know, they're starting uh, atheist churches now all over the world. Uh, now in England, two comedians, that should tell you something about the movement, two comedians started the movement of godless churches. They're atheist churches. What they do is they meet in empty cathedrals. Unfortunately, there are many in that part of the world. And they tell stories and they sing songs together and they give speeches and they fellowship together. They love everything about the church except they don't want God to be part of it. And so what they do is they get together like we get together because they kind of like what we do and they hang out and they had this first meeting and people were amazed. People flocked. There was standing room only for the atheist church. And they interviewed the comedian, the leader, and they see they're singing a song by journey. Don't stop believing. And you're like, believing in what? 
just hold on to that feeling. And so the speaker got up and everybody fellowshiped and they had some donuts and then they went around with the microphone. They said, what do you think about the godless church? And the comedian who started it said, well, it's pretty cool because I like everything about it. We just eliminated the one thing I'm not so comfortable with. The one who started the church. God. And it's funny and it's sad. Tragic, right? This is what's happening. People are flocking. They're, the Christian population is diminishing and all these people are flocking into these godless churches. Wow. Is there anything new under the sun, brothers and sisters? Nothing. And so the church is praying. See, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are spiritual. And they're praying, look at verse 5, fervently. This same word Luke uses in Luke twenty-two forty-four for the prayer of Jesus. That Jesus was praying so fervently, his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. He was fervently crying out. And in that context, what did Jesus pray? If it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but don't forget the other part. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Now that's not a cop-out. God is running the universe, not us. I know we need to be reminded of that, right? Because when things don't go our way and we're all human, we get frustrated and it, it rattles our faith and we're, we wonder, God, what are you doing? I don't understand. Why are you not with my program? Let's be honest. We pray that way. But there are some things that legitimately perplex us. Why would James die? Why is Peter in prison? Why does this wicked ruler have one iota of power over the church? The church gathers and the church is praying. And when we gather and pray, we have to keep in the back of our mind that we're not praying for our will, but for God's will to be done. And this went on for a while. Peter's time in prison and the prayers offered, I'm sure, went on for days because Herod was waiting for the feast to end. These days must have been agonizing, probably laced with doubt. And we can even infer from the circumstances of the time that the church spent time praying for James as well. They probably had heard about James being captured, but that didn't end really good. James was killed. Maybe after prayer meetings had occurred for his release, surely God, you're going to release James, and James is dead. You can imagine that the church was legitimately reeling. And you know, there are times in our Christian life that we have to say we are too. We gather for prayer. We pray about stuff. It doesn't always go the way that we would hope. And so look what happens. And on the very night, that is the night that the church had gathered to pray, when Herod was about to bring him forward, to bring Peter uh, forward to be executed, Peter was what? He was sleeping. Now, I don't know how well you would sleep the night before you were going to be brought out to be executed. I don't think I'd have a good night's sleep. But Peter was sleeping, and notice his position. He's not on a sleep number bed, just, you know, kind of registered to his perfect back position. Actually, Peter is sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. Guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. Maximum security. And Peter would write later, Cast all your anxiety to him because he what? Because he cares about you. You can cast your anxiety. And Peter was sleeping, resting in the Lord. I'm sure he had to be uptight. He was human. But 
I'm sure he had to be thinking about James and the loss, but he was still resting in the Lord and maybe even resting in the prophecy that he knew. You see Peter and Paul in the book of Acts. One is sleeping when he's in prison and the other one's singing when he's in prison. What's wrong with these people? You don't, you're not in, in the stocks in prison or chained next to two guards and resting, uh, sawing logs and uh, sleeping and singing, are you? But this shows you where their confidence was. And it challenges me. And I think it challenges you. Where, what do we really believe? Do we believe God is still the same? Do we still believe that He's a God of deliverance? If you would like to listen to this message, or if you would like more information about the ministry of Living Truth, please visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. In Acts chapter 11, verse 26, it says that the disciples who were following the name of Jesus were known as Christians. And the leadership there out of Jerusalem, the religious leadership, were persecuting these people who were called Christians. Now we see a change in the scenery here, and it goes higher up, rather than just from a civil point, if you will, but to a governmental level now, into which those who call themselves Christians are being persecuted. Well, Oscar, you know, uh, as we um, take a seat at these microphones, um, this afternoon we've heard reports that a priest was killed last night. Um, Sadly, tragically, at the hands of ISIS is what the story is saying. And uh, we understand, you know, I'm getting uh, bits of the story as we come to these microphones, but a worship team was held hostage and so forth. And, you know, Oscar, um, it's becoming more and more, sadly, I'm sad to put it this way, normal to hear these reports now. You know, we have terrorism attacks, but we have attacks specifically against our brethren. And we may not, you know, be in the same denomination. We may not be, um, you know, a wholehearted agreement on every doctrine. But we do know that brothers and sisters who believe in Jesus Christ, who trust in his death on the cross, his resurrection, um, are being persecuted. And some of them are being killed. And uh, early in chapter 12, Oscar, um, James, the brother of John, sadly, one of the sons of thunder, is killed. And... You know, it's just mentioned here in Acts 12 in passing, but this guy was one of the 12. He was, uh, you know, one of the sons of Zebedee, one of the two sons of Thunder. Um, You know, uh, James and John are, you know, very prominent uh, apostles in the gospel stories. And uh, it's sad that he's killed. Uh, Of course, we know where James went, just like Stephen, right? He went to be with his Lord. Mm -hmm. But um, the truth of the matter is that this has happened over the history of the church. It's been said that the blood of the martyrs has been the seed of the church. And um, it's just one of those unfortunate things. Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible. And we have an opportunity to expand this radio program, and we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org.